what do you get when you make scrapyards, Bass Pro Shop, and Bugs? You get a good reason to watch movies after work. Hi, I'm Alex Lewis. Hey, this is Thomas Green. <laughs> How's it going today, Tom? Uh, it's going all right. This is movies after work, as it always was, as it always will be. Um, and uh, today we're doing one of Duez's picks. And Duez, what is that movie? This movie is Herbie Fully Loaded. And you're already laughing. Um, so th- there was there was a reasoning behind this. Really? Because um, I thought you were joking when you when you mentioned this one. Well, it was. It was a multi-layered reason in uh, in doing this. One, we we cover movies that are like easily accessible on streaming services, and to my knowledge, I don't think we've done one that's been on Disney Plus yet. Um, I don't think so. No. So there was there was that. I figured this possibly could be a so bad we tear it to pieces kind of movie, um, <laughs> and, and that would make for some interesting. Uh, interesting discussion, or it, we, it'd be genuinely like surprising as to how good it is, or, or so bad it's good sort of thing. Um, it's also written by two members of the state, uh, Thomas Lennon and... Uh, Robert Ben Grant. Robert Ben Grant, correct. Uh, they wrote... Um, they're on Reno 911. They were on the state, like I said. Uh, and they wrote... Um, not at the museum, that, that whole series. Yep. Um, so I, I had never seen this before. This isn't something that I watched in my youth. Um, I like a good bit of the cast. I like Michael Keaton. I like Justin Long. I don't, um, oh man, Lindsay Lohan. I I, like, I don't hate Lindsay Lohan by any means. (laughs) So, um, it's got Jim, it's got Jimmy Simpson in it, which made me excited because I I love him. (laughs) Um, even, even beyond, uh, his popularity on Westworld or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. If I see he's in something, I always get excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of my reasoning for picking it. Um, it backfired because this, this episode is going to be like squeezing blood from a stone. Um, <laughs> it's Well, it's fascinating because this... I... I, for for a, a multitude of reasons, had never really had a drop of interest in seeing this movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big sports movie person. It's just they they don't usually do it for me. Yeah. Um, and and this one kind of like the there were enough of those tropes in this movie to make me go, oh yeah, that's why I usually don't watch sports movies. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I'm I'm reminded now. Like, I for for me, I like sports movies that are you know they're gonna still have some of the tropes, but they're a little out there. Um, the one that immediately comes to mind for me is this indie film called Pool Hall Junkies, mm-hmm. and it's this Billards movie uh, written and directed by Mars Callahan. Uh, stars him, um, Michael Art, Ke- not Michael, um, Christopher, Christopher Walken, Chaz Palmieri. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum, um, the guy who played Black Bolt on TV's Inhumans, okay. back when he was a scrawny guy with glasses before he got all beefed up to be um, to to be the muscular guy in sci-fi stuff. Um, yeah. But it's it's a fa- it's a fantastic movie. Uh, with oh, some great we should have watched that instead. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's one of those movies you really have to, like, you, 
unfortunately, it's not even a, oh, you just got to dig a little bit in the $5 bin at Walmart to find a copy. No, you've got to, I mean, you've, you've got to know you're looking for it, and then you're probably still going to have to shell out some money. You're, you know, yeah. It's not the sort of thing you normally find on a streaming service. If I ever see it is on there, though, I'll, I'll put it up on our, our Twitter feed for people to know so they can watch it. Gotcha. For, for anyone that's thinking they notice a trend with uh, this and Logan Lucky, I don't actually like NASCAR. I don't actually <laughs> like... I don't like racing in any capacity. Um, but my next pick is going to be cars, so, you know, we'll see. Oh, go to hell. <laughs> no, no, um, no, our... Um... That and that brings up. Have you ever watched NASCAR or anything like that? I mean, not really. My my uh, my knowledge of it extends to like seeing it in movies like this or like Logan Luckley or, or like Cars or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, well, my my mom's uh, second husband makes her sound terrible, but it's the only way I can <laughs> properly <laughs> no, describe it. Um, <laughs> Uh, his family, they, they were big into NASCAR. My, my stepbrother at the time, he was, um, and possibly might still be a drag racer. So like I'd, you know, been to small town racing events. I'd been in houses where NASCAR was playing and caught some of it. Um, it's NASCAR is like golf the commentator's job is not so much to tell you what's going on because there's really nothing to look at except what's going on. There's no confusion or chaos. It's clearly what's going on. Their job is to convince you that what you're watching is really exciting. (laughs) That, that is their, like golf and NASCAR to me are very similar things. They're both very, very boring sports that, Un- unquestionably take skill. There's no doubt that they take skill, but if you are not even remotely interested in them, they're the dullest thing on the planet. Oh, like yeah, sure. even, even if you watch some, some baseball or some basketball or, or some football, like even if you're going to watch some of those sports or hockey, like even if you're not really into them, you kind of get some energy going. Like you can feel some energy coming off of what's going on in the in the arena. You can, you know, you can get a little amped up just by watching it because of the action. Yeah. Unless there's a wreck, NASCAR is just driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, at least like in, in those other sports you mentioned, like you can see a really fantastic play and understand that, like, wow, that takes real skill seeing like a really impressive home run or you know whatever it might be yeah and there, i mean granted again there is skill to to driving a nasc you know like a race car yeah, it's not it it's well yes <laughs> yes there is there is the factor of turning left um you have to be able to do that but uh, i mean there you know it's not the same physics as as driving on a road both in the car that you're driving and the and the ground that you're driving on um so I, by no means do by no means do i feel a need to like shit on the people that are um that are racers professional amateur or otherwise cuz there is skill involved but again if if it's just not your cup of tea the like in this movie they do this whole like boxing in a car like 
this movie felt very much like Cars 3 in terms of its plot and structure and all that. Um, and both movies have race cars doing these things, not the like super fantasy things like driving on the, on the, the fence, but other things that they'll, they do like boxing in other cars and stuff like that, that I've really never noticed in any of my time in my teenage years, watching NASCAR or races live in a, at a racetrack. So it's, the their movies add a lot to to the excitement of what goes on in racing events because it's not really there in in the movies yeah. or in the in the real life compared to the movies. Um, but that being said, I, the the thing I noticed during especially the first third of this movie is they're really banking on a group of teenagers which is the demographic of this movie Mm -hmm. this movie's demographic is not the people who watched the old like love bug herbie herbie rides again uh herbie goes bananas and herbie have you ever seen any of those i i watched the original as a kid a couple of times it's a it's a good movie it's a fun movie um, the actor who plays the villain, I feel terrible because I'm spacing on his name, but he, I mean, he was a great character actor. It was what he thrived at doing and, and he, you know, he nails it in that movie. Um, but I mean, there were four movies in the Herbie franchise before this one. And the, the first third of this movie, given the movie really does not ever feel like it's marketed towards people who have seen those really seems to think it's important that you have seen those. (laughs) The whole opening credits is just reminiscing about his exploits in the past. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching it going, okay, I've seen one of the movies. I, I know all the other ones, the other three existed. I just never watched them. Not for any reason other than I didn't. Um, and I feel like it's telling me I'm going to miss out on something. But at the same time, I don't feel like I that that's the demographic for this movie. And as the movie went on, it was I was definitely right. It was not the demographic. Yeah. This is not a movie for people who have watched and loved the originals. But <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Um And I and I wonder what its purpose was. Like, was this to I mean you see things like this where there's a like a revitalization and it's you know sometimes to capitalize on something or to make it a franchise again and i don't know what the direction was supposed to be as far as any of that is concerned well i i don't know the timeline of the descent of madness that was Lindsay lohan um, cause this the movie, well before it. Well cause, before well, it. yes, this was before it started, but this movie was financially successful. So you would think if the goal was let's do another franchise, we would have gotten another movie. So I don't know if the issue was that it did, it did well, but it didn't do good enough by Disney at the time standards or if, Shortly after the movie came out, she started her descent, and Disney went, "Okay, we're just going to scrap this entirely instead of doing a new, like a next movie in the franchise with a whole new family." Yeah. Um, 
I, I do, Lin, Lindsay, like watching this movie, Lindsay Lohan is going to be our generation's Liberace. <laughs> we, <Defend. laughs> Explain yourself. we look back, we look back at Liberace, look at our families or look at our parents and go, how the hell did you not know he was gay? Our children are going to, are going to watch movies with Lindsay Lohan look at her like see her her career her life look at us and go how the hell did you guys not know that she was insane <laughs> like how did you guys how was how was her going off the rails surprising to anyone like at least with at least with Miley Cyrus you can be like you can show Hannah Montana you can you could like I could show my daughter the Hannah Montana show when she's a teenager, have her watch it and go, hey, this is cute, this is fun, and then immediately click over to her twer twerking on Robin Thicke at some MTV <laughs> Awards and have my daughter go, what, what the fuck? What, what part of the story did you leave out? To which the answer is, none, this just happened. Um, but I think... But like Lindsay Lohan has some has some blatant crazy eyes during this movie. <laughs> she really does. like I kept just thinking like you have some crazy eyes, and I like I I feel like part of it was blood circulation issues from the random times that they decided to make her less busty. Okay, <laughs> because. This movie, weirdly, for, for a kid's movie, constantly had its eyes down there. And it got to a point where I was just like, okay, we just went, went from a scene where she's probably braless and making me uncomfortable. Now in this scene, she looks like she's gone down two cup sizes. What the hell's going on? Yeah. Well, and to the point, like, to the point where literally when they were doing the marketing, because again, I read IMDb trivia to entertain myself. When they were doing the marketing for this movie, they took all the marketing and digitally reduced her cup size. Okay. Because they did, they, they thought if she was too busty in the marketing, it wouldn't be kid friendly enough. Yeah. Um, and given the, the CGI animation for, for some of Herbie's scenes, Clearly doing it throughout the movie while she was physically moving was just a dangerous. That was, that was clearly in the realm of, of removing Superman's mustache for how noticeable it would be. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, and this is, you know, sort of in the same vein. Um, but like, I thought because of Thomas Lennon and uh, Robert Ben Grant, like, this could have skewed possibly more adult, or at least it could have had some, you know, hidden suggestive humor. And there's really only like one mention of that. Um, and it's when Trip is like, uh, turns, <laughs> turns to his assistant and he's like, when women give you their phone number, uh, take a, get a picture. Like, I don't, I'm, I do enough charity work or something, something yeah. to that effect. 
And I'm like, wow, that was a that was it, a bold joke for it, a for a film that's been very very tame thus far. Yeah, well, no, I'd say the the most adult joke in the movie is the is not just the first joke, but it's the first thing that happens in the movie, and it's the shot of Herbie at Studio Fifty Four. And it was one of the it was one of those things where I'm sitting there going, I'm convinced that Lennon and Grant wrote this joke, knowing what they were actually writing, and then sold it to Disney as it's cute. He's number fifty three, and he's gone to fifty four. It's cute, and the Disney people went, okay, we can't remember history. Because yeah, that joke happened, and I immediately went, okay, this is. This is probably going to be the most adult joke in the whole movie, and I was right. It, it was definitely the most adult themed joke in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, this, and I, I think, I, I think you'll agree with me when I say that Justin Long absolutely saves this movie. I mean, I, I adore Justin Long, and I really appreciate everything that he's in. Um, because even, even me really enjoying Michael Keaton, I mean, he, he just does nothing with, with what he's given. Um, well, there's not much to do with what he's given. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally if the, it's literally if his character tombs from Spider-Man homecoming, instead of turning evil was just, just kept the whole time with a plucky attitude going, don't worry guys, it's going to get better. It's gonna get better, guys. Don't worry. Don't worry, guys. It's gonna be great. Don't don't yeah. do it. We're gonna get an. We're gonna get another job here sooner or later. It's gonna it's gonna be okay. It's it's like if that was him the entirety of Spider Man Homecoming, and it was literally just about Spider Man trying to assemble Homecoming by himself. Yeah, that was that was this movie. <laughs> I mean. Like, there's not a whole lot in this script to begin with. Um, like I said, I thought the I thought at least the writing might be a little bit better or, you know, a little bit more uh, risque. Like, just to, to, to have a couple, of, a couple more of those jokes. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's just like, it's a film that's just forgettable in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's just, it's disposable. Um, it's not even as entertaining as like Night at the Museum. Um, it uh... well, Night at the Museum has a, a fantastic premise, mm-hmm. and and relies heavily on what Tom Lennon and Robert Ben Grant excel at, which is ensemble. Yeah, they are. They, I mean, everything they write that is about an ensemble is fantastic. Everything that revolves around like a sole character is not necessarily bad, but far weaker than what you are used to from them. Yeah. Um, Balls of Fury is another one. It's so, it's all about Dan Fogel's character in that movie with the other characters are there, but it's not really an ensemble piece. It's about him and that movie. It's not unwatchable, but it's, it's again very forgettable. Yeah. Um. 
like I said, it was, it's going to be it was going to be difficult talking about talking yeah. about this one. The, I, it also like the movie because it was written by them, and then the other two writers came in to to punch it up. Um, we'll do a mixture of punching it up and um, altering the bluntness of Herbie using his abilities. Okay. Um, and I, I imagine that that's why Justin Long keeps going in and out without any acceptance. Um, he goes in and out of believing in the powers of Herbie. You'll literally have one scene of him going, oh, it was the bug? Yeah, sure. Sure, it was just the bug. And then in the next scene, he'll Herbie will do something. He'll be like, oh, Herbie, Herbie, oh, cut it out, Herbie, come on. And then two scenes later, he won't believe that it's Herbie again. Yeah. So it's it's very it's very back and forward. Um, as as a side note, because I know he's yelling at this episode right now for for me to mention it, and I feel bad that that he's not here to mention it. Um, our friend Juicy from uh, Fighting with Myself, who was on for the No Holds Barred episode. Yeah. He actually. Almost made out with Justin Long. <laughs> Swear to God. We uh, we went to go see... Um, I can't remember if it was just a regular performance of ASCAT or it was the No Jew Review at Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles. And as we were leaving, he saw Justin Long and Romani Malco hanging out on the side um, a couple of buildings down. And he, he's a huge Justin Long fan, so he decided he wanted to go up and talk. And Juicy Juicy is the assertive one of, of our friends when it came to talking to celebrities. So he goes up and he tells him, you know, how much of a fan he is and stuff like and like saying all these really nice complimentary things. And he goes to say something to Romani Malco. And as he does that, Justin Long just starts leaning in and closing his eyes and puckering up for a kiss. <laughs> and Juicy realizes what's about to happen, jumped in surprise, and Justin Log immediately just pulls back and goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought this was all leading to something else. I'm sorry. That's that that that's on me." <laughs> Juicy, Juicy has since said that he regrets not taking his chance. I, I certainly would regret it as well. Yeah. No. We we've all basically agreed that if we were in his shoes, we'd hate ourselves for not kissing Justin Long. <laughs> Um, he's, he's just lovably adorable. Even when he's, uh, Brandon St. Clair in, in Kevin Smith movies. Brandon St. Randy. Brandon St. Randy. My, my apologies. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, this, this is going to devolve into just gushing about Justin Long. Um, <laughs> but if anyone is else, if anyone's looking for another podcast to listen to, um, Life is Short with Justin Long is really, really fun. Um, especially his episode with, uh, with Kevin Smith. I mean, obviously, they're going to have a great rapport back and forth. So, um, I had just watched that either just or listened to that just before or after watching this. And it, uh, it was, it was good. It was a good, uh, palate cleanser. <laughs> now, I watched the movie, I watched this movie with headphones in for the majority of it. Um, as I've gotten into the habit of doing, because, again, my living situation, it's hard to, have somewhere to just sit and 
watch movies without it bothering anyone. Um, yeah. And I gotta say, I almost told you this episode was canceled because I couldn't take much more of Lindsay Lohan's With puberty screaming. Squeak. The puberty squeak that she was constantly doing. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Herbie! Herbie! <laughs> I, 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 that was, that was my multi-note thing for, for this movie. There's always something that I end up having to write multiple notes because it won't stop bothering me with movies. It was, it was the puberty squeak with this one. Yeah. That was, that was the thing that, that got on me. Um, now, now maybe, maybe you can answer this and, and anyone who's listening, if you've seen the movie, maybe you know the answer. Um, at the end, was Breckenmeyer the the his brother the brother character? Was he faking being injured the whole time? Is that what we were trying to imply at the end of the movie? Yeah, I'm not sure where that was supposed to be going. Because we do the whole shtick of "I'm fine, I'm fine," and he runs into the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we have that you know that quote unquote cute little moment. Um, but then, but then at the very end, she, he kind of implies that he was faking being injured and it's, it was just so confusing to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I, they, they really didn't make it clear, clear and it was frustrating. Um, no, and, and you'd think a healthcare professional would be able to tell if you were faking a, uh, a concussion. Yeah. Well, and she, and she she runs off after, so maybe like it could be like, oh, it was a mild concussion, and while they advise, you know, they advised he shouldn't. It wasn't that he can't race, like, or you know, bad writing. It. I mean, it could be either of those. Yeah. Could be. Could be. It could be any of those. Um. Uh. Also, also, um, I, I want to, I want to put the challenge out there on Twitter, um, Twitter, Facebook, anyone who's listening anywhere, find me a movie about racing, like real racing, not, not like professional racing, not street racing that doesn't have a cameo from Jeff Gordon. I want to know. I want to know if that movie exists. Cuz I feel they literally I feel like if you're writing a movie about professional like NASCAR-esque racing, I feel like Jeff Gordon just gets a sixth sense and calls you and goes, "Hey, where can I be in the movie?" <laughs> you Was you, he in Luck, uh, Logan Lucky? I I can't recall now. You know, I don't remember, but that doesn't mean he wasn't. He might have just not. He might have. He might have just not had a speaking role. They literally might have just shown him at one point, like in his car, just to acknowledge that he showed up for the day. Yeah. Um, what I don't understand is why he's okay. <laughs> he's really okay with losing in all of these films to Ricky Bobby, to Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> whoever it might be well i honestly i i give him a lot of credit for that because he it's it's really smart marketing on his part because he's a he is marketing himself to the world as somebody who is a good loser who has good like he's 
really what he's marketing is not that he's a bad driver because nobody's actually associating him losing to Will Ferrell, meaning that he's a shitty racer. Yeah. Um, it's there. What they're do, like, it's we're what we're getting is showing like, Oh, this is a sportsman. Like this is like, this is an athlete. This is a true sport sportsman and an athlete here. Cause he, you know, he's in these and he loses, but he always loses with grace and dignity. And, but I mean, it's also part of the, like with Ricky Bobby, it's part of the comedy. You have a bunch of professional winner race car drivers all talking like they're scared and regularly lose to Will Ferrell. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's literally like if you, if you made a, an acting movie that starred, let's just stick with Will Ferrell. Um, and it was made pseudo documentary wise or something. And you at one point had Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and a couple other guys all, all talking about how they're honored to be constantly losing to him at the Oscars. You know, it's funny because it's, it just seems so ridiculous. Well, that was, that's honestly the best part of, uh, um, pop star never stop never stopping is all of these professional um, singers musicians dancers like Usher saying uh, the donkey roll is the reason I dance is like a funny thing just in and of itself oh yeah <laughs> oh it's it's it, it's it's always I mean it's it's pure comedy gold every single time it's 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 like a safety net of comedy if you're doing an industry, have the the best of the best of the industry come in and act kind of like idiots. Yeah. You know, it's it's a guaranteed win. Yeah. Plus, you know, you're going to get people to come see a movie called Herbie Fully Loaded if you tell them Jeff Gordon's in the movie. <laughs> like, th- there are going to be... There are going to be NASCAR fans that hear like, oh, Jeff Gordon and a couple other guys are in this movie? Oh, I got to support them. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, it's literally like all the people, you know, for, you know, people complain like, oh, screw all these reboots, remakes and sequels to my, my childhood films. They're destroying my childhood. They're, they're ruining my childhood. What? LeBron's doing Space Jam 2? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> me, me thinks you didn't actually mean everything you said before that. I still oh, can't. I still can't believe that's a real movie. That's one of those movies that they keep claiming is going to get made, and I just go, "Yeah, you're joking." Yeah, we'll, we'll this, believe it when we see it. This, this is such a funny joke. And then, they're like, like a week or two ago, here's the official logo for the movie. That's adorable, guys. You you keep telling me that. Okay. <laughs> um, this move. This movie definitely has the multiple writer, um, wound to it. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of different, like beyond just the fact that Lindsay Lohan's character, she is an absolute moron. Yeah. She is, she's incredibly trusting of this person, this famous person that we edited out why he knows all these non-famous people. Because he definitely knows Justin Long's character from before. 
they, the first time they interact with each other, the resentment that they have towards each other is not just in the moment because they bumped into each other. It's like, there's something there. Like there's backstory there and there's backstory with, with trip has backstory with all of our other main characters. And if they're not on his racing team, we never explain what that backstory is. Yeah. Well, do you know who Thomas Lennon's character is in the film? He's his brother. Yeah. Did, was that made clear during the film? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't think so. Well, no. Uh, during literally... during the scene um, where Trip decides that he wants to have the like the little contest to to force. Max out of hiding and erase him again. Um, Tom Lennon's character literally says, Trip, I'm your brother. And I, and you know, he, at one point he specifically says, I'm your brother. Okay. Um, I, just, I just blew past that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not necessarily in like, a, oh, I'm suddenly going to talk in exposition sort of way. It's that sort of way that that anyone with siblings like I'm I'm your brother and I love you but you're an idiot. Yeah. Like I'm quantif- yeah. I'm quantifying all the reasons why you shouldn't be super hurt by what I'm about to say, but I'm about to say something that you're not going to like. Yeah. Like it it was it was it it wasn't as inorganic as it as I'm making it out to be essentially. <laughs> The movie did a better job than my shitty ass is doing right now about it. That's that's the message here. Yeah. Um, were there any particular parts of the film that you uh, that you liked or disliked? Um, I got very nervous when they were setting up her love of skateboarding and Herbie was watching. <laughs> In my head, all I could think was, he's going to start skateboarding, doing skateboarding tricks to get out of situations, and that makes me sad. Yeah. Like, the second he tries, he basically does a kickflip of sorts, I'm sad. Because we, I, I don't remember if it was the first Love Bug movie, or if it was one of the sequels, but we had already done the whole, like somebody holding onto a rope and standing on top of Herbie as Herbie drove. Okay. We'd, we had done something like that in the past. So in my head, I just kept thinking like, okay, so she's going to like be surfing slash skateboarding on top of Herbie and Herbie's going to start doing things like, you know, kickflip style stuff. And she's going to be able to, to handle that. And like, I was like, it's going to be a whole thing and, and just kill me. Like, yeah. it's just gonna, it's just gonna hurt. It's just gonna feel so weird to watch that. Um, I, I want to know at the, so at, at, in the big final race section, um, they keep cutting to this bigger dude with a beard when they're like, they'll be like Lindsay Lohan, Matt Dillon, Red Five. Like I literally kept thinking, like they're just cutting away to Star Wars right now with this guy. 
He looks like the overweight guy who dies in Star Wars on the assault on the Death Star. Why do we keep cutting to him? Porkins. Porkins. Let's put some respect on the name. I couldn't remember the name, okay? They keep cutting to Porkins during the, like, amping up for the race. And I'm just, like, just like, wait, did we edit out who he is in this movie? (laughs) Why are we cutting to him? And then once the race starts, we never see him again. So I'm worried he's dead. Yeah, I'm not sure who that, who that was supposed to be. I'm worried he died during the race because we never see him again. But we sure set up that he was important right before the race started. <laughs> what about what? So what about you? What are, What are some things that you that you really liked or, or disliked about this movie? Um, you already kind of touched on it. Um, with you know saying that anything from Justin Long is sort of a highlight yeah. of this. Um, he's He seems to be the person having the most fun. Um, he p- puts in a pretty physical, like a, a physical comedic performance. I mean, his whole like uh, flailing around in the garage and he, he falls pretty aggressively into a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Herbie is driving the two of them to where they first meet Trip, and he's like kind of stuttering and, and starting and stopping. Um, I mean, you see, like Justin Long's really moving around in the car. He's he's um, much more committed to the reality of the scene than Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, he was a highlight, but um, honestly, I mean, there wasn't much else. There, there's no scene that's particularly bad or, or extremely offensive. I mean, there's no. There's some, like, stupid sort of, you know, we're going to make... This is a kid's movie, and it's, yeah. you know, we're going to make certain certain exceptions to, to the logic of the scene or the logic of the characters because it is a kid's movie. Um, I mean, there's no reason that Lindsay Lohan would leave Herbie unattended around Trip um, while she goes off in, for a joyride in this other car. Unless she's um, an idiot. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then she just is like aggressively mean to Herbie. Afterwards. Yeah, you know that second race where she's like, "Come on, Herbie, I want to win this other car." Yeah, like, Herbie, know, but that's that's just Herbie is one hundred percent in the right for for fucking her over. There's there's no oh, question about right. that. Herbie is one hundred percent in yeah. the right. Um, yeah, yeah. The, what what is the actor's name from uh from Always Sunny and and Westworld? Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson. When when he takes Herbie to to the uh, um, demolition derby sort of thing like that, you know that's great. Just because he gets to play the over the top character, because mm-hmm. um, he was pretty reserved to that point, um, and and once he's there, he gets to be the always sunny I'm gonna I'm gonna act completely off the rails oh yeah that he is kind of known for playing he goes it's always sunny during during the demolition derby um absolutely oh and I absolutely I love when when Lohan shows up at the derby and says Herbie where are you and then we cut and he's literally right there in the middle blatantly right there like nothing else around him to make it painfully obvious that he is easily findable out there she is walking over to him in the middle of this, in the middle of all this destruction in these cars. 
racing past her. She's like, just like it's when, just a stroll. It was to him. no, that was that was that was one of the hardest scenes to watch with headphones because it, yeah, it's her walking occasionally, just flinching, going. Ee! <laughs> I apologize to anyone listening to this with headphones. Yes, yes. Now you know how I felt. Um, it was no. I I loved. I, honestly, I felt like there could have been more for that scene, more fun to have have gone to experience in that scene because that was Herbie in uh, trying to survive a demolition derby. To me, is just. Um, it's just so chock full of, of potential. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we definitely break logic though. Cause we, we bring Herbie back to Justin Long and Justin Long finds out that he doesn't have the parts needed for Herbie and can't get them because he doesn't pay his bills. Yeah. Which sure logic, if you want it. Um, <laughs> But then the brother shows up with their crew. They somehow have the parts. <laughs> like, yeah, we're we're, we're what is it, like a nineteen sixty three bug or something. A nineteen sixty three Volkswagen bug. They would not have. They, they would not have those yeah, parts in in the pit. Like, they, they we literally get to the point at the end of the movie where we we definitely have a massive clash of the scripts because we're kind of proven just how rare the parts are because he gets his oil tank damaged. So it's leaking. Yeah. And we then see Justin Long goes and gets the oil tank from, um, Cheryl Hines car. Yeah. But then we cut to later and they just duct taped, his original one shot. <laughs> so I'm just, yeah. I was sitting there going, wait, why didn't, did he not get back? Like, is he standing over there holding the oil thing going, I, I got it. <laughs> Surprisingly easy. Oh wait, you already left. Okay. Um, I, I am, I, I am willing to forgive them for how conveniently close to the racetrack that family apparently lives solely for the fact that as the race started, I was sitting there going, why the hell is Michael Keaton at home? He needs to be there. Why is he not there yet? And he leaves and like, Two minutes later, he's in the he's at the racetrack, and not they. There's no suggestion that there's been that much time that has passed. So no, not at all. So it's just like no, he's literally watching the race on the news at his house. Yeah, and then he sees she's in trouble and drives there, and is there in no time at all. Yeah. Well, no, he he doesn't know. In 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 the movie's defense, he doesn't leave because she's in trouble. He leave. He just he just leaves because he knows he want he wants to be there for the race, um, gotcha. to be supportive. It's when she gets in trouble that he gets on the headset and she discovers that he's there. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, if we're gonna shit on a film, we're gonna shit on the film, right? Damn it. 
but it's, it's just, it's a weird, cause it's, yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's a kid's movie and it's a sports movie. So you've got two different genres that have tropes that, that are kind of obligatory and also a little devoid of, of conventional logic. So it becomes that whole thing of going, okay, do you, do you give it, you know, some wiggle room? Do you give it a handicap because it's these genres or, or do you critique it the same? Cause like, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. You can't really, you know, you can't judge and rank and review a, a, um, a kid's movie the same way you would something like, um, you know, raging bull yeah yeah you know the the way you go into critique a movie like uh, as as a more on point example rage or um days of thunder Mm -hmm. versus herbie fully loaded you know what you know you're not going into both of those movies with the same critiquing techniques and and mindset um, so it definitely kind of becomes that sort of catch 22 like, you know, it might not be your cup of tea, but setting aside the, you know, the, the genre tropes, is it really a bad movie or did it just, or, or did, were you just not in the mood for a kid's movie, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like I watched this with my son, which was the one benefit of us, you know, picking a kid's movie was that I didn't have to wait for him to go to sleep. Um, but I mean, like I said, it's a, it's perfectly like serviceable. There's nothing, there's nothing offensively bad about this film. Um, it's biggest sin is that it's just forgettable. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a kid's movie and it's, it was made in a time. Um, I think where being, a kids movie that was also entertaining for adults was the exception, not the norm. Um, and we're definitely, we're definitely in a time where I think that is becoming more normalized and more, uh, more expected almost. Um, it's, you know, I, I think, go ahead. I was just gonna, yeah, because I mean, due to especially the, um, the fact that we're we're seeing more and more kids movies that have emotional depth and weight to them which is definitely more an adult thing than yeah. it is a child thing and so yeah i think because we're getting that more often um you know cuz i would say that the herbie fully loaded comes at at the middle of a of, of a weird shift where we went from kids movies when we were kids that were just bursting with jokes meant for the adults. Yeah. And slowly those dissipated and we replaced jokes for adults with stakes for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, you take, um, you know, you take a movie like Coco cause live in a Disney house. So that one's on, that one's on often. Um, yeah. you know, for a kid, it's just the whole, like he needs to get back. He needs to get back. Like those are the stakes for a little kid is like, he needs to get back yeah. for an adult. The stakes are, 
he needs to go get his grandmother to remember her father or else this family member that he's come to love and connect with is going to blink out of existence and he'll never see his daughter again when she does pass away. Yeah. Like those are not kid movie stakes, but they're still in that, but they're still in that movie. I mean, literally that, I mean, that movie ends by, by showing you one year later and the grandmother is, with her father and mother going to visit the family from the underworld. So literally the movie ends with going, by the way, turns out she was dead in less than a year. (laughs) Again, not really a kid thing. That's like, yeah, I mean, like the movie old yeller resonates and still exists because it was so shocking to have a movie a kid's movie where at one point there were the adult human mistakes of your dog that you love is now a danger to the family. Here's a shotgun. Go, go protect the family by sacrificing someone you love. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's old yeller would be as forgettable as 90% of the animal friend movies that exist in the filmography if not for that moment, because yeah. those adult stakes were so unusual. Um, and yeah, this movie kind of lives in that period of time before we got to, to doing that, where there's still like the, you know, the, there's like one or two jokes for adults, but it is, there's no, like, there's nothing in this movie for the adults that are yeah. watching. There's just not. This is a movie you turn on in the hopes that your kids will watch it because you need a break from watching the Cars trilogy for the millionth time. <laughs> it's exactly what this movie is. In this, yeah. like at this time right now where we are, that's what this movie is. This movie is alternative alternative viewing because if you have to listen to Owen Wilson talk about how he's a race car one more time, you're gonna kill someone. Yeah. So instead, you hear Kachow one more time, you and your family are in danger. If you have to keep listening to Larry the Cable Guy in any context, you will break quarantine <laughs> in the hopes of catching COVID nineteen. Um, <laughs> it ain't pretty, but um, but yeah. So that to and to me, that's that's the viewing. This is not a movie that you just watch. This is. This is literally a, your kid likes movies with cars in it. Put it on, put it on for them while you're doing something else. Beyond that, I don't see any reason to watch this movie. Not because it's bad, but because it's, it just doesn't really offer anything for adults. Yeah. So, I think that's, I think we basically covered it. I think I think well, and I mean, hey, normally we normally we bullshit for like the first fifteen minutes about something else. So we, you know, we got plenty of blood out of the stone. Yeah, true. true. We we successfully bled this stone. I think we should be proud of ourselves. (laughs) I'm very proud. The 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 stone did not die in vain. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make this dark. I don't give a shit. (laughs) 
Um, so moving on from that, do, um, movie news. I can't think of anything else that's really been going on right now. Um, do you have anything? Um, I mean, what I have is not um, anything fun to talk about. And, you know, we don't normally cover uh, celebrity deaths too often on here. Um, but Jerry Stiller, yeah. uh, just passed away today, um, or possibly last night, but I, I heard about it this morning. Yeah. Um, Ben, ben Stiller made it public today at the very least. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were someone who enjoyed watching sitcoms or had parents who enjoyed watching sitcoms, um, you most definitely saw him on either Seinfeld or King of Queens, um, he, you know, he's an incredible talent, um, a, a great comedic actor. I absolutely love his character for his brief appearance in Heavyweights. Um, I love his character in Zoolander and, and so many other films and, and television roles. Um, so I just wanted to bring that to, you know, the forefront and kind of talk about him for, for a moment. He was... Um, because that one... That was one that really sucked. Yeah. He was in the uh, original and the film musical remake of Hairspray. Mm-hmm. Um, he played, I believe, Mr. Turnblad in the original Hairspray. I could be wrong, though. He was one of the, he was that or or the evil girl's father. I'm totally spacing okay. on it, right? I'm like 98% sure that he was Mr. Turnblad. And then he played Mr. Pinky, the the clothing store owner in the, the musical remake. And he, yeah, he was, he, he had a great gift of t- making a bunch out of next to nothing. Yeah. Um, and and someone someone shared a clip today that that really highlighted one of them, which was, um, I'm thinking like I'm gonna say the taking of Pelham one two three, but I'm probably getting it wrong as well. Um, but he was in the original of that. He like he worked alongside Walter Matthau with this like semi nothing supporting role. But he, I mean, he made it a great role. Like, he made, a, he, he turned a fantastic performance out of it. Um, yeah. He, like, the, the, the closest equivalent that we have to Jerry Stiller right now is Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, they are, that's a good pull. They are very much on the same wavelength. So if you if you're somebody like you're watching Better Call Saul or you like me think that he should you know Bob Odenkirk should have been nominated for the post or anything anything of that nature uh you owe it to yourself if you if you're not familiar super familiar with Jerry Stiller's filmography to dive into it um and yeah. and to really experience it and to to see you know what we've unfortunately lost Yeah so the the only the only other thing I can think of that's been really talked about is is some some of our more egotistical 
directors out there and and their opinions on life. Um, James Cameron still intending on twenty twenty one being the release date for for the first of his many Avatar sequels. Um, <laughs> it's he's he is so behind on the bandwagon on that, and I just yeah. don't I don't see like he was able the the first Avatar relied entirely not partially entirely on IMAX 3D something yeah. that people do not do anymore the, yeah. nobody really gives two shits about 3D movies anymore which is appropriate no, because 3D movies watching movies in 3D sucks <laughs> um like I've I've watched some movies in 3D and it, I hate it every single time. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's he's missed the boat so far on this, and he's, I mean, it was one of those things where he kept saying he wanted to do it. He kept saying he wanted to do it, and then movies started taking his box office records from him. Yeah. And then he got and then he got determined. This is entirely about James Cameron associating box office records with importance. <laughs> yeah. It's entirely what it is. Like he is he is viewing the the importance of of box office intake as as the be all end all of what makes filmmakers great. So these he's making these movies to make a profit. Unfortunately, this time he does not have the you have to see it in IMAX and you have to see it in IMAX 3D, otherwise you're not getting the full experience. People yeah. people and, and honestly there was there were so many people willing to buy that ticket um you know in, in the IMAX 3D because that was the that was the sole purpose of the film. That was its big marketing push. It was the way you had to to experience the film. Yep. And now we don't have as many premium formats. Um maybe we do. Maybe you know we might even have more, but people are only shelling out for those premium formats for films they're really invested in. The films they find really important. Like I've only seen a film in Dolby twice at this point mm. um and i have amc stubs i could see a, a dolby film every week if i wanted to yeah um it doesn't cost you know it's not costing me anything extra um obviously i can't see them now but yeah <laughs> like the i think i may have seen spider-man in dolby and i think i saw uh onward and that that like that's been it um the the and the fact that I, you know, I've seen an MCU film in there is because there's 22 movies I'm invested in this series. I have no reason to, you know, in the, the average person who doesn't have AMC stubs, they have no reason to go drop the part of the price of a Dolby ticket or an IMAX ticket on a franchise that no one cares about anymore because anyone who was interested in it has gotten older and had kids and died at this point because that film came out forever ago. Yeah. Well, and at the time it was, I don't know, at tops, maybe $14 to go see an IMAX 3d movie. Yeah. Now we're talking about your shilling out double that to go see yeah. an IMAX 3d movie. If you're going to go see one and 
yeah, the the interest and investment that people have on that is not high enough. The, no. It's just, like, people don't talk about, you know, when people, people live on their, you know, people live on their hills that they die on on Twitter all the time. You don't see people dying on a hill for Avatar anymore. You just don't. No. Um, I, I purposely watched Avatar on DVD on my laptop in my dorm room in college. Specific, yeah. And that was the first time I had ever actually watched the film. And when people asked me why I was watching it that way, I point blank said, if I, if I can watch this movie this way and it's still a good movie then it's actually a movie I think is probably good. But if I have, like, saying, oh, I have to watch IMAX, have to watch a movie in IMAX 3D for it to be a good movie, it's the same as being like, oh, you have to be really drunk to think that person's hot. Like, (laughs) it's the same exact principle. Like, if if you take away that requirement that's not a part of, the actual work of the movie, then it's meaningless. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's gonna. And, and I sat the whole movie sitting there laughing at how bad the movie is. It's written bad, filmography or the cinematography is is nothing special. Everything in that movie is ripped. The Avatar is the film equivalent of Fortnite. There is next to nothing original in it. And yet people still yeah. think it's amazing because they were told to think it was amazing. Like, point blank. That's There's there's my hot take for you. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's screwed. And then you've got, um, and I think we talked a little bit about this last time, but you've got uh, Warner Brothers and Chris Nolan are determined to, to still release Tenet in July. Um, yeah, which, because they think that that's, what's going to save the box office. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, people will go see his movies and they'll make money, but he's not a billion dollar director. He's just not. No, they, his, like, his movies aren't don't rank in that much. And the other thing is simply, if you're like, I don't know what how everyone else feels, but I don't I don't care what director it is. If you're refusing to tell me anything about your movie except for a couple of the cast members, I'm not breaking quarantine to go see your damn movie. If you're if you're like if all if all you're telling me about your movie is oh it stars Robert Pattinson and it involves time travelish sort of thing like it may be time travel it may be Adam Sandler and Click having the ability to control time it could be one of those yeah. two that's it's that's and that's the other thing that I love is like literally the second the movie anything about time was announced with this movie, all the Nolan fans shut up abruptly about bashing Endgame for using time travel. 
Like, all of that, like, like, oh, is this wasting time with time travel? Oh, Chris Nolan's doing time travel now? Then we love it! I, I'm still not over how stupid Inception was, by the way. <laughs> I threw out, I threw out every single top my daughter had. Just as a... I'm 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 kidding. I'm kidding. She, she I I didn't throw any of her. T- she doesn't have any. She doesn't have. She doesn't have. If 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 my kid had anything that reminded me of a Chris Nolan movie, I would just look at it sadly, like I was a character in a Chris Nolan movie. But have you um have you watched anything else lately that you want to shout out about or talk about? Um, I rewatched Dogma uh, a couple days ago, and um, I, I think I think I'm on board with you. I don't. It's not my favorite Kevin Smith film, um, and I know it's yours, but I do think it is his probably his best film, um, just in terms of the cast and the writing and the directing and, and the story, like the story he's telling and the, and the mm-hmm. mythology that he's creating. Um, it's a really, really interesting film. It's also impossible to find physically anywhere, but you yep. can find it on YouTube in, in its entirety. Um, so anyone who's interested to see it um, or rewatch it, uh, find it on YouTube. Yeah, you have to go but, to like an Amoeba or Exchange or somewhere like that to find the movie on DVD or Blu-ray at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, that, that film is just, it's really, really great. Yep. Um, it's, oh shoot. it's uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm desperately, I, I need to, I need to go on, uh, hop on IMDb cause I cannot for the life of me anymore. Remember who it is that plays the nun at the beginning of the movie because she's someone, she's someone. I just don't remember who she is. It's also Kevin Smith being way ahead of the times because he cast Matt Damon as Loki before they did for Thor Ragnarok. So that's some ahead of time thinking right there. (laughs) Yeah. There's some fucking inception for you, motherfuckers. (laughs) Just random swearing now for no good reason. Anything um, else? There, there's not much else. Um, I rewatched Jeff Who Lives at Home uh, a while ago. I don't know if you ever saw that, but I have not. Um, I think it's it's a really, really uh, it's a it's a Mark and Jay Duplass film. Um, so it's about you know it's about two brothers, obviously, and it's kind of like a dramedy because um, that's kind of their wheelhouse. Um, but you know, that's, um, it stars Jason Siegel and Ed Helms and, uh, they play the two brothers and Jason Siegel's just kind of a fuck up who smokes a lot of drugs and is trying to look and trying to look for signs in the universe and, and signs around him. And, uh, it gets him into, you know, this, this really insane day with his brother. Um, it's just really really heartfelt, really emotional. Um, I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, but 
But other than that, I haven't watched too much. How about you? I, um... I recently watched uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, finally. Okay. That is a phenomenal movie. That's a movie everyone needs to watch. Um, that, it it blew me away. The pacing is phenomenal. Um, the lack of score is just so perfectly crafted. Uh, it's just, it's, like, I... I I could I could go on for for longer than might be healthy talking about that movie. Um, yeah, just a fantastic film. I just f- found myself at a point, and I was determined. I just found myself at a point where I was determined to watch it the other night. So I finally watched it. So good. Um, yeah, it's on Hulu. So if you haven't watched it yet, please watch it. Um, both to you, do as and anyone listening. Wow, where's it at? Where can I find it? I just said it's on Hulu. Okay, sorry. You don't <laughs> you don't even listen to me anymore. No, you're cutting in and out. <laughs> oh sure. It's your excuse for everything. No, it's it's weird. My my car is facing away from the house instead of toward the house. So I'm slightly further away from the house than normal. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, it's it's been a little staticky, but I've I've had you most of the most of the time. You you haven't cut out, and I'm the one recording, so that's that's really what matters. To to the people to the people that listen to this episode, it'll sound like you don't listen to me, not that you couldn't hear me because of static issues. So that's what matters. Everyone will be on my side. That's all that matters. Like like a petty like a petty divorced father as long as everyone's on my side <laughs> you, you sounded a little bit like Brandon St. Randy right there <laughs> as long I'm, as everyone's on my side I, I just want everyone on my side <laughs> I don't even know I could, if I could actually properly pull off the I, I couldn't talk too long in that without just getting <laughs> so incredibly filthy and inappropriate that nobody would ever want to speak to us again. <laughs> our our followers on Facebook would drop drastically. There would just be a bunch of people like putting out like I'm unfollowing movies after work. They know why. Unfollow. No one got to the end of this episode. <laughs> um well for anyone who is still listening, uh just uh, to, to announce again, on uh, Thursday, we are going to be recording a special supersized episode uh, where we are going to be ranking the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we are going to be taking them all and and giving our each of our individual rankings for the movies. Um, should be fun. Should be exciting. I know I have a few on mine that are going to be pretty different than yours and and very different than most of the ones that I see when people show their rankings on online or on their on their YouTube shows or podcasts um so we're very excited uh, we are going to be getting joined by Andy from Geek Salad podcast we're very excited to have him come on the show and talk to us um about this uh we may or may not have Mike 
uh, joining us as well. But uh, whether or not Mike does join us, uh, we're we're looking. It's a supersized episode, so we want to have plenty of guests. Uh, we're looking to have a, you know one or at least one or two more people join with us. So if you are listening, you love the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you want to come on and uh, bullshit with us about the movies, give your rankings of the films, and um, and and yell at us for for where we might put the movies compared to you. Um, by all means, uh, shoot us, uh, a message on Twitter or shoot us an email. Uh, as always, our Twitter handle is at movies work and our email address is movies after work at gmail.com. So pretty, pretty, please make sure that you, uh, that you drop us a line if you want to join us for that and make sure to just follow us on Twitter in general. Um, I'm always on there saying weird and random shit, pretty much day in day out uh especially right now because the the podcast right now is all i have for work yeah it's it's all i got you've got a job do as i don't i i am currently i currently continue to live the unemployed life um unfortunately uh hopefully that'll change someday who knows um we're and that's why we're launching a patreon this week (laughs) No, we're we're going to charge you to listen to this shit. <laughs> Not to improve the show like most responsible, appropriate Patreons go. <laughs> this is this is no, more to like much. make sure that I have like a case of Dr. Pepper or Jones Soda or something sitting here to drink while we record. You know, help pay for my Hulu and, and Netflix accounts. So that way we can... I can keep yeah, I watching say, movies. If you don't have Hulu and Netflix. This show is over. Yeah, no, I. What that has been a that has been a regular conflict in in my household of going. You know, it would save us money if we just got rid of streaming services, but um, I wouldn't have jack shit to talk about on my show, <laughs> and that's where the problem lies. That's that's why that's why instead of being responsible and going like okay until the quarantine's over the you know I'm taking a hiatus cuz I'm canceling all my subscriptions no instead I'm going I wonder if I should get HBO Max wonder if I should get that when it comes out is that a good idea I am not responsible at all and I have a 2 year old god help us no I'm good um yeah. Um, uh, oh, and also um, to to any mothers, uh, obviously uh, belated Happy Mother's Day to you. Um, yes. I I can't admit I can admit I I have to do a couple of belated Happy Birthday phone calls to some family members. Um, I spent my entire day yesterday underneath my car, my wife's car, changing our oil. So I I didn't really get to be a good son grandson what have you and wish happy mother's days to people but that'll be what i do once we're done with the show but happy mother's day to to all the mothers out there that that may be listening all negative three of you This, this show could become famous and get millions of views every single day and I would, I'll, I will still stand by my joke that 
pretty much nobody listens to our show. Oh yeah. I will I will still like it doesn't like the people do listen. People absolutely do listen. But it's more fun for me to pretend that nobody listens. It's it's more entertaining from my lack of self-esteem. It's like it's it's like Craig Ferguson back when he was hosting late night, which I miss desperately. Um but he always joked that nobody was watching his show and he had the best show on. So so on that note, Duas, you got anything else you want to add? <laughs> no, I, I think I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I think I've brought down people enough. I think I've successfully accomplished that. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. Next week it's Tom's film. Yes. Um, yeah, the next, we're, obviously, we're going to have our big supersized uh, MCU episode, but after that we are going to be diving into the to early 2000s disaster film The Core. That'll be fun. We're excited for that. I've actually already watched it and taken my notes on it. I'm excited to talk about it. So, I'll be watching it shortly. <laughs> All right, guys. So, for Movies After Work, this is Thomas Green. This is Alex Duas. All right. Stay safe. Have a good day at work. Support your post office. All that good stuff, guys.